Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about how do you choose a developer for an investment property? How do you choose a developer for an investment property? Now, this is something that is very close to our hearts as some, at Opus Partners because this is something we do all day, every day in terms of evaluating both developers uh, in terms of whether their, their products or the houses that they're building are, are good investment properties or will make good investment properties. Um, and Andrew, I want to get your thoughts on this uh, before I jump in about what are the some of the top things you look for when evaluating a developer and their property? Oh, so uh, this, as he mentioned, this is something that I look at all day, every day. I would have a developer every day contact us and we would we would choose to deal with 20% of those people to recommend their product. And uh, a lot of this comes down to the fact that we want really, really good products um, from really stable developers. And so some of the some of the key indicators for me as to some whether or not someone would fit the boot of someone we want to be endorsing, um, firstly, the big thing is reputation. So um, if, especially for for some of those big name brands, you kind of get a feel, uh, or certainly we do, as to what the reputation is of those people, both from a product, but also a financial stability side of things. Um, and and I would uh, give a caveat here, that can change. So uh, I'll give you a great example. So Stonewood Homes uh, started in Christchurch and they uh, they franchised all over the country. Uh, I bought a number of Stonewood Homes about 10 years ago. They were excellent builders. Uh, one of the best, uh, particularly for the investment uh, stock market. They were they were affordable but good quality homes, and then they got into some real trouble. And so, um, particularly Christchurch people would re- would remember this. You'd see newspaper, uh, you'd see uh, news articles on Stonewood Homes, and and basically their reputation crumbled. So they uh, they um, were not finishing jobs on time. Then they had um, subpar finish, uh, and then and then of course they wouldn't go around and fit, uh, and correct any uh, defects, and it was a real issue. And at, at that point, we'd already uh, stopped dealing with them, and um, and I wouldn't hurry back to them. Uh, as it happened, they ended up going into receivership and got bought by the infamous Chow Brothers uh, from Wellington, and um, that probably too was a, a reputational concern for me. Uh, endorsing again their their product, and so we we hadn't dealt with them for a number of years, and it just so happened that uh, the the new franchise owner for Christchurch, Warwick Isaacs, uh, uses the same lawyer as I use, and um, he my lawyer insisted that I meet Warwick, uh, and I did, and I'm glad I did because he is probably now one of my preferred developers uh, to deal with because since then he's that uh, they've cleaned up the brand uh, entirely. They have a, a an amazing product they they finish on time the majority of the time they are outstanding and if warwick isaacs rang me tomorrow and said hey i i i'm going to develop all over the country he would be one of my preferred bro- uh, developers across the nation uh so so reputation can change but you know if you are looking at trusting someone with your money uh to build a house and you're trusting uh, you know a lot of investment you know it might be a five six seven hundred thousand dollar investment you want to make sure that that brand carries some weight when you go to sell that property because remember this is an asset that you want to stand the test of time and actually be worth something later on and so if you're using a building company that uses cheap materials or, or just has a poor reputation for the finish of the product or, or any of those things that people kind of know who they are but wouldn't want to buy through them you've got to remember that that's going to affect your resale later on so it's really really important and it's much more important to get a better product that's going to stand the test of time than it is to get the cheapest product right now 
Um, some of the other things that I look at, um, certainly what kind of warranties they offer. So making sure that you are going to get a robust warranty uh, on the finished product. You want to make sure that that's going to, that's going to be solid and stand up. Um, I, I think that it's really, really important that you see a finished product, particularly if you're buying off plans. So if you're buying off plans, you go and see something that they've finished recently that's built to the same spec, not a show home. Go and see something that's built to the same specifications as what you're about to buy and make sure that they've got an attention to detail, that they've finished it off nicely. Because if from the uh, visibility standpoint that you, you can see some things that haven't been finished very well, you can beat your bottom dollar that there's some stuff behind the scenes, but uh, you know the foundation and, and, and the insulation, you wonder whether or not those things have been compromised as well. And so I think it's really, really important that you look at that finished product to make sure that you're comfortable, that you're going to get something, again, that's going to have a good resale value. And then I'm going to touch on one that um, is very close to my heart. Uh, I am increasingly annoyed by the number of uh, developers out there who are pretending to be something that they're not nowadays. They're pretending to be property investment gurus uh, and, and that steps on my toes. So you've got developers out there that are going out and saying, hey, property investment's a great mechanism for, uh, for, for wealth, which is true. Buy my stuff. It's a great investment. That uh, yes, if you if you um, go and see one of these developers and you get inspired to buy property, got nothing wrong with that. But I do think it's important you get unbiased advice. You go and sit, you go and talk to someone who maybe has alternatives, or at least do your research and go and look at a bunch of different developers to see what other products are on the market. Because just because someone gets you fizzed up about property investment doesn't mean that their product is necessarily the right investment for you. And I I I, you know, I can think of a few where I would not endorse their properties as a good investment, uh, but they're going out there saying, hey, property investment's a no-brainer, so buy my product, which um, part of that's true, but the other part is not. And I just want to jump in there, Andrew, because uh, I think previously you talked about substance behind a developer, and I just want to talk about intellectual substance, if I may. Um, I don't have as much (laughs) of an issue about developers um, giving property investment advice as long as the advice is sound and and as long as the data they're leaning on is sound. And the, the, my gripe is that I see a lot of claims in property investment that actually do lack complete intellectual substance. I've seen one developer go out and say that they want everyone to own their own ha- home, everyone to own their own home and become a property investor. Well, that doesn't work. Not everybody can own their own home and become a property investor because if everybody owns their own home, then who's renting all of these investment properties? Who's renting the <laughs> rental properties? You know, it doesn't make sense. And so while it's a lovely idea that everybody should own, own their own home um, and, and home ownership is important, don't get me wrong, um, it, that, it doesn't make sense, that that kind of statement, um, because because if everybody owned their own home, the value of investment properties uh, would, would be would be nil. Nobody, nobody would purchase them. Um, and the other claim that I see, and I've seen this from multiple developers, is this idea that because world population is increasing and world population is, is increasing uh, extremely fast, um, that that's, that's a driver of house prices. And of course, population is a driver of house prices, but world population is not a driver of new 
New Zealand house prices, and I see this as real intellectual laziness as an economist. Uh, this idea that, and I've actually been in presentations and seen this, where you'll see one line is uh, is world population, and the other is New Zealand median house prices, and if they're kind of going up at the same rate and roughly the same line, then there's this idea that they're correlated, and, and it's kind of presented as if it's causal, that look, world population's increasing, and that's causing New Zealand house prices to increase, and that's that's bollocks. You know this idea that that the population of a of uh, of a country in Africa or in Asia is driving New Zealand house prices is completely bollocks. And I've got some data to back it up. So over the last twenty years, our population in New Zealand has increased by twenty four percent, twenty five percent. World population's increased by about 27 percent. So there are over the last twenty years, we've got about an extra one point six billion people in the world and just under a million extra people in New Zealand. So if you look at that that total increase in world population that 1.65 billion, New Zealand's population increase has contributed 0.058% of that. So less than than a tenth of 1%. So New Zealand's not contributing a lot to world population. So where is that that population growth coming from? Well, about 19.6% of that growth has come from India, 9% from China, uh, just over 5% from Nigeria, 4.76% from Pakistan, 3.8% from Indonesia, then the US and Brazil. So all of these other countries are causing world population to go go up. So if this claim was accurate that world population is causing New Zealand house prices to increase, then what does the population increase in India or China or Nigeria or Pakistan or or Indonesia have to do with our house prices in New Zealand? And I hope that what you're thinking is these things don't add up. There is no causal relationship between world population and New Zealand house prices. Now, New Zealand house prices are going up uh, and there are some good reasons to believe that that will probably continue over the medium to long term because of our net migration flows, because of how our population is increasing, because of our lack of supply uh, and and our high demand, because interest rates are low. There are a whole heap of reasons why the claim that New Zealand house prices or New Zealand houses are a good investment. There's a lot of reasons why that might be true. But this idea about world population increase uh, increasing, causing New Zealand house prices to increase is, is completely rubbish because most of the increase in, in world population comes from African and Asian countries uh, that have very high population growth. And so that's why I would just want to bring it back to intellectual substance because if you're going to get financial advice, then make sure that the numbers are crunched correctly. Make sure that the people giving it are credible and, and make sure that it's not just some kind of spurious co- correlation that makes sense uh, that, that that doesn't actually make sense when you interrogate it with any rigour um, because even although you can but they, you could, oh, sorry, you know, I was about to say, you could, I, I'm sure you could compare the cost of milk and uh, house prices and say that those two were uh, uh, correlated as well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they uh, affect each other, right? Yeah, well, uh, the idea, uh, the, the key message here is, look, just because something sounds like it, it's a good story does not mean that it's a good reason to invest. And I, and I would kind of uh, run away from anybody who's proposing um, some sort of spurious correlation as a reason to invest, not because they're necessarily wrong, but because I wouldn't trust the, the the rigor of some of the other claims that they may make. And I think that that's really important. Now, I'm sure there are, there are possibly some developers out there who really have um, the, the numbers crunched and they they know the trends within their um, within their regions and within the areas, um, and it all stacks up. But there are certainly some developers who are very loud. Out 
out in the market, um, but who lack the substance to back that up. And uh, one of the one of the things I remember one once hearing from one of my favourite musicals actually is the. Um, the less you have to sell, the harder you sell it. And I think that that's possibly the case that we sometimes see. Um, the less you have to say, the louder you yell it uh, and things like that. And I do believe that that's probably what we're seeing. But hey, Andrew, let's wrap it up there. Of course, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us get the message out to more people. And if you want to see some actual intellectual rigour, then come along to our webinar this coming Tuesday. Uh, we haven't actually pinned down the topic or I haven't pitched the topic to you, Andrew, but I think we're going to get pretty nerdy into data because uh, I, I want to talk about uh, the differences in uh, capital growth values depending on what sort of property you've got. So uh, we'll probably be talking about that tape or swipe over that cover art. It'll take you straight to where you can register for that webinar or of course just head up opuspartners.co.nz. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.